Welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing The London Seance Society by Sarah Penner. As usual, let's talk about our fuel for this discussion. What are you drinking, Heather? This shouldn't come as a surprise, but once again, I'm drinking my peach mango body armor light because that is just now. Hydration <laughs> is just key because I drink so much coffee during the day that come nighttime, I need to hydrate with something that's not caffeine. <laughs> Yes, for the listeners, we record at night yes. most of the time. So sometimes caffeine is not the best idea for us. But I still drink it religiously every day, sometimes twice, sometimes three times a day. The other day I had Dunkin' and Starbucks, so it happens. <laughs> sometimes you need a little of both. Um, yes, we are not, we have not given up our caffeine addiction. No, it was still in full force. I've been on my Nespresso latte kick. I just use a regular Nespresso coffee pod, some almond milk, and I've been using the brown sugar cinnamon Tarani syrup. That sounds delicious. Just to give it a little transition to fall I feel. I was going to say, that sounds like fall. Yeah. And it's delicious. And obviously it's iced every morning. And then I just fill my Yeti all the way to the top with ice and it lasts me like six hours, which is good because... I put like four shots of espresso in there. I love but anyway, that you. <laughs> it's great. How else am I supposed to make it through my corporate America job? Absolutely. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Sarah Penner. So she graduated from college with a finance degree and was working in the aforementioned soul-sucking industry of corporate America <laughs> for 13 years. But in early 2021, she left her day job for good, and she's now a full-time writer, which is brave, considering the book we're discussing today is only her second novel. I agree. I I actually looked at the back of the book jacket, and I saw that she was like in finance and then was just like quit and just started writing. And this is mm-hmm. not the first author that we've read about that's done this. And I'm just... Yeah. The confidence that these women have to just be like, you know what? Fuck my job. I want to write. I am so jealous of them. I am so Mm -hmm. envious. I wish I had (laughs) the wherewithal to do that because that is literally the dream. Literally the dream is just to write books and not do a job you hate. Exactly. And especially working in finance and corporate America, like she's probably making good money. Mm -hmm. So it's like to give all that up and just chase your dream of being an author. And she's, she's obviously been successful at it. I mean, doing that after so in early 2021. So that was after only her first novel came out. Yeah. So she just risked it all. She and there's said, no there's no guarantee you're going to be successful either. Oh, absolutely not. And especially with the genre that she writes, because I feel like right now, thrillers are huge, you mm-hmm. know, romance is huge. Yep. But this is kind of that in between. It's like the the magical realism, the historical mm-hmm. fiction. Like these are not necessarily the most popular genres right now, as far as like social media and book talk and bookstagram. So I admire mm-hmm. her balls, basically. I know, no, I I agree. And I know you read her first book. I have I have it. Have not read it yet, but I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah. So she's also a member of the Historical Novel Society and the Women's Fiction Writers Association. She lives in Florida with her husband and her mini dachshund, Zoe. So her first novel, The Last Apothecary, was written in 2021. 
and that was really successful. It has over 327,000 reviews on Goodreads. Wow. That's a lot. Especially for your first book. Yeah. And it seems like this one is still new enough that it's building to that level, but most of her online promotion is centered around her first novel. Mm-hmm. So this book, The London Seance Society, was published in March of this year, 2023. It was a book of the month pick, which I know that's where you got that's it. That's how I got it. Yep. And it falls under the following genres, historical fiction, magical realism, mystery, and paranormal. So to be seen if it wins any Goodreads awards this year. <laughs> Since it just came out this year, we don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we don't know yet, but Actually, we'll is this see. the first book we've done that's come out this year? I think it is. It might be. I think it might be. Okay. Yeah, I know, well, right? Because <laughs> I feel like every other book we've read, it's been, there's been awards that they've been awarded. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Divergent, which existed before <laughs> Goodreads existed, even though it didn't. Whoopsie. Anyway. All right. So here's a, a Goodreads summary. 1873. At an abandoned chateau on the outskirts of Paris, a dark seance is about to take place, led by acclaimed spiritualist Baudeline de Allaire. Known worldwide for her talent in conjuring the spirits of murder victims to ascertain the identities of the people who killed them, she is highly sought after by widows and investigators alike. Lena Wicks has come to Paris to find answers about her sister's death, but to do so, she must embrace the unknown and overcome her own logic-driven bias against the occult. When Vaudelin is beckoned to England to solve a high-profile murder, Lena accompanies her as an understudy, but as the women team up with the powerful men of London's exclusive seance society to solve the mystery, they begin to suspect that they are not merely out to solve a crime, but perhaps entangled in one themselves. I mean, this sets you up. Yeah. And to like, to, before we even begin, Vaudelin's job, amazing. Love it. I love that her job is communicating with victims of murder because amazing. That's how it should be. Yeah. It's like this little true crime aspect, uh-huh. which I didn't see it for what it is, but yeah. it is. Yeah. I really like that. I like that, that that was her specific thing that she did as a medium. Because, yes. you know, yeah. it could it could have gone in so many different directions and I like that that was the direction that the author took to start you out and even that she had a specification because that's mm-hmm. not something that you normally hear about no so i thought that was actually that was a really cool tidbit to the novel yeah all right so we've got a lot going on here there's the obvious lots of death spirits seances <laughs> then we've got some toxic masculinity extortion fraud and some queer love mm-hmm the queer so love I was not it. expecting when it when it first came up between Lena and Eloise. Eloise, thank you. When I, when that first like came up, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I this like is this. the real twist of the book. Yeah. Like, yes, there is a mystery to be solved, but I was not. I did not see this coming, and I loved it. Oh, I me too. It was definitely. It was. It was good. I like. It. It's really good. All right. So we open during a séance, as they said in the description where we're introduced to two of our main characters, Lena and Vaudelin. Lena chooses to study under Vaudelin because her own sister was not only obsessed with her and studied under her, but she was also murdered and her killer wasn't found. But the catch is that Lena doesn't really believe in the supernatural at all. So it's weird that she's studying under Vaudelin 
basically, I think it's a way to feel closer to her sister, but to also feel like she's doing something because Mm -hmm. the police are not doing a thing. Yeah. And even though she doesn't truly believe that she's going to find Evie's killer through a seance, she still sees that as the only avenue to pursue. Yeah. It was actually, I thought that was another interesting way to go about the story is having Lena be such like a skeptic about Mm -hmm. the paranormal and the, and the spiritual world. But also a weird thing, because it's like, why does Vaudelin even entertain the fact of Lena studying under her? Maybe because to because she wants to help Lena figure out who killed Evie. Like maybe because like it seemed like Vaudelin had a good relationship with Evie. Mm-hmm. She saw that Lena had a natural yeah. medium quality. So I mm-hmm. wonder if she like sensed that about her when she met her and was like, oh, I'm going to be able to convince her because she has That's this That's probably gift. what it was too. Not that I feel like Vaudelin was the kind of character that wanted to to change people's opinions about things. But I do agree. I think that she definitely saw something in Lena and knew the potential that she had. So mm-hmm. she kind of just kept going with it instead of it being like, oh, whatever. I definitely agree with what you said also, that mm-hmm. she was not the type to want to convince people. She wasn't pushy about it. It was either you believed in it or you didn't. Lena was like a special case. Yep. And she still wasn't pushy with her. Like it was a, a gradual, natural yeah. thing. Yeah, which- yeah. We'll get into because they make a believer out of Lena. Spoiler alert. Okay, so as we said, Vaudelin is a medium, but she has very specific specialty in seances. So from the book, she was known throughout the world for her skill in conjuring the spirits of murder victims in order to ascertain the identities of their killers. These ghosts were victims of violence and gone too soon. They'd been murdered, every one of them, and worse, their killers had gotten away. So like we said, that's awesome. Like, to use that gift to help people in that way Mm -hmm. is so admirable. And they just kind of, like, gloss over it. But I also also like that the caveat is that it has to be at the place they were murdered. Like, the seance has to occur Mm. at the location of where they were murdered. I'm like, oh, that's a fun little quirk, too. Yeah. You know? Because they also say a lot of people weren't on board with it because of that. Like, a Mm -hmm. lot of these, you know especially the seance that they open with, the parents didn't want to be in the place where their child yeah. had been murdered. Exactly. So it's kind of like, a, yeah, you can get the answers you want, but it's going to make you uncomfortable in the process. It's very, it's very morbid. Oh, yeah. This whole book is very morbid. <laughs> <laughs> so the story switches from two POVs. Lena is one of them, and Mr. Morley is the other. And he is how we are introduced to the London Seance Society. So this is how it's described in the book. Established in 1860, the mission of the London Seance Society is to provide clairvoyance and mediumship services throughout the city of London with the intent of providing peace to mourners and satisfying the populace's growing curiosity about the afterlife. So this is more of a general, you want to have a seance to talk to your dead loved one. Yeah. Just to say goodbye. Yeah. And to see if there is afterlife like yeah, if these people not, who have died still exist yeah it's not as in-depth as Vaudelin's seances are exactly so the owner of the society mr vlockman was killed under mysterious circumstances and it's explained to Vaudelin through a letter that he was trying to expose members who were doing fraud so members of the society who were doing fraud to con people out of money among other things which we'll get to and all of this the letter 
notifying Vaudelin, it's all being organized and orchestrated by Mr. Morley, who just happened to be secretly seeing Lena's sister, Evie, which we find out from his POV chapters. So Mm -hmm. Evie wanted to find out everything she could about spiritualism. She was obsessed with the supernatural. So she started using Mr. Morley to get information, to see classified books and documents that they kept in the society headquarters, to attend lectures, and even eventually to attend seances. So can I be honest with you? When I first started reading this book, I don't know if it's because, you know, exhaustion is my life now, but when I was reading I was so confused and I was like, wait, I thought Evie was, I'm like, is Evie alive? And she's just like under, like she faked her death and she's undercover. And then I was like, oh wait, no. Okay. This is his past POV. Like it's his current POV with the past mixed in, but it, it took me a few, it took me a minute longer than it should No, have. I will say, so there were <laughs> dates yeah. on the chapters, but within the chapters, there would be flashbacks yes. that weren't. You weren't told there that there was flashbacks. There was, exactly. There was no indication that this was, I mean, there kind of was, but not enough to make me like yeah. realize, oh, we're looking into a flashback. Because I literally went through and I like went back. I'm like, but it says the date. And I'm like, but Lena said, and I'm like, this isn't adding up. And then it took, yeah. and, then I, and then finally the light bulb went off and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So even though it's present day, he's having like flashback memories of yeah. meeting Evie, of all their interactions. So yeah, at the beginning, it is very confusing. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of an issue with the time jumps also. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Vaudelin decides she's got to travel to London to get to the truth because the fraudsters are giving spiritualism a bad name. And that's her whole livelihood. Yeah. And Lena doesn't plan to attend the seance, but when they meet up with Mr. Morley and they're about to go their separate ways, she gets a little clue that Mr. Morley knew her sister. She decides to hop right into the thick of things with mm-hmm. Baldwin. Also, why do we not find out <clears throat> these men's first names? Why do we only refer to them as Mr. Morley and Mr. I didn't even notice Lockman? that until you just said that. That is weird. It's all part of the patriarchy. True. Anyway, over the next day, so this is what's crazy is that this book takes place over like two and a half days. Yeah. Three days. Mm -hmm. So over the next day, we start to find out more about the seance society by visiting the last seance that Vlockman had attended on the day of his death and also a brothel where most of the men from the society frequented. So basically, the men were using tricks to convince the grieving that their deceased loved ones were communicating and contacting them. Most times, it was messages from the deceased telling the widow to move on and be happy. And then a man from the society would swoop right in and not only financially exploit them, but also try to coerce them sexually. (sighs) Which is always a good sign when a man is exerting his power and authority in order to sexually assault women. And yet this society had a stellar reputation until recently. Yeah. Figure. Mm-hmm. Some of this is truly infuriating. But then you're like, oh, <laughs> it's the 1800s. And then you're like, oh, wait, this could literally happen today. Oh, it, it, oh wait, it probably is happening today. Yeah, I was like, wait, is this the 1800s? And then they talk about like a horse-drawn carriage. And I'm like, oh, yes, 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 it is. Okay. Or a horse-drawn bus, which is weird. Uh, Yeah. I I was trying to envision what this mobile that they were in was. And I I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. I was envisioning it as a party bus, but with 
horses. Maybe that's it. better than what I was thinking of. I was thinking of Literally like a party bus. I've been like watching Once Upon a Time, so it's like there constantly are horse-drawn carriages in all like the, okay. in, in the Enchanted okay. Forest. So I'm thinking it's like you know one of those like like a royal kind of buggy thing and like a cinderella style more or less but like the evil queen style where it's dark <laughs> so yeah. it's like oh yeah <laughs> well that's funny i was just picturing them in a party bus with like you know like the blue lighting that's inside of a party bus like there's not real lights Wait, that's what so I was it's like it's like in the bachelorette when aaron told brayden you know when he was in the party bus by himself and he told the bus driver that's it yes <laughs> that's what i'm envisioning that's exactly it the blue light. That's where I'm getting it exactly. from. You're having wow. Okay. P- PTSD. <laughs> oh my gosh, Brayden. Anyway, all right. So also, as we're getting more information about the society, Lena is getting more and more information on Evie. And when I tell you, this poor girl is going through a roller coaster yeah. of emotions. Uh-huh. First, she thinks that Evie is just curious and innocent and was coerced into giving herself up to Morley because she was so desperate to learn more about the paranormal. But then she sees Evie's name in the logbook at the society. She realizes that she attended several lectures on these tricks that the society was using. And the women at the brothel share that Evie even attended a fraudulent seance. So now Lena is seeing Evie as not only desperate and secretive, but also a greedy fraud, just like the handful of men at the society. Yes. But also, can we discuss how her disguise fooled the men but like didn't fool any but like the women <laughs> do we really need to discuss that no i, I know mean, i know but it was obviously <laughs> also, was she just... had like bright blue eyes I was... like, oh yeah the blue-eyed girl evie yeah, yeah. We know her. i know because clearly like the women at the brothel immediately knew that she was a you know a woman but it's like mm-hmm. so the other men in the say in the society are either just turning a blind eye or they just clearly fucking clueless well and they also immediately knew that the seance was a fraud and they knew that they were being exploited and at the end they didn't have enough money to pay so they had to pay sexually Uh and basically i i like the way that the author shows that these women are smart and savvy yeah and know what the fuck is going on Mm -hmm. and even though there's nothing they can do about it because the men run the society and not just the seance society but society in general but she really takes makes it a point to highlight that these women know what the fuck is going on yeah i agree she really i like the way that she wrote a lot of the the women characters in this book they weren't meek at all i don't think i saw one meek woman character Hashtag women writing women. (laughs) Anyway, so Lena also has a complicated relationship with Vaudelin because, as we mentioned, we find out that Lena is secretly a lesbian and has had to hide it because basically not only is it the 1800s, but London was much more conservative and traditionalist than other parts of Europe. Yeah. And also Lena was much younger than Vaudelin. So she's, you know, still lived with her parents. And the person that she was in love with is Eloise, who was also a family friend. So they had to hide their love for each Mm -hmm. other. And 
We hear so much about Eloise. And at first I was like, you're introducing too many characters. Why is everyone being murdered? This is wild. And then obviously Eloise comes back. But at first I thought it was just to introduce this, you know, Lena's battle with her own sexuality. Yeah. And so now she's having feelings for Vaudelin, but it's complex because Vaudelin's her teacher and also seems to be very involved with the seance society. And the lines are kind of blurred as to how much she knew about what was going on, not only with the fraud, but with Evie also. Yeah. So Lena is just having trouble figuring out who to trust, who to believe, and really just trying to get evidence, like physical evidence, because she's a science girly, physical, tangible evidence that she can trust the people that she is around. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously a lot that happens in here, but... <laughs> If we can, I would just like to move to the night of the seance because it starts popping off hard. Just honestly, the twists and the turns. I've been waiting for a book that had the twists and the turns. And this book, literally some things that happened, I literally did not see coming. And I I love, I've said this before, I love when that happens, when I can't predict what's going to occur. And I'll tell you what I think the biggest shocker to me was when we get to it. But you're right. Once this day begins for like the day of the seance, it's just a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Let's get into it. <laughs> so the night of the seance, Bennett, the society's driver, who has been posing as a deaf and mute person, problematic, but okay, we're going to skip over that, warns Lena about Morley. And they were already feeling fishy about him. Yeah. So this warning is all they need. They're like, we got to get the hell out of here. So they hatch a plan to escape when Morley comes to get them for the seance. But because Lena by the is way, like, let's just let's just backtrack that he basically has them locked in a room in the society. Uh, a room? It's a storage cupboard. Okay, true. But also and then he blocks them in with a bookcase and I'm just like this is very this in itself was creepy and yeah. red flag central. The vibes weren't cool. Exactly. And they come up with a truly terrible plan. Yeah, truly they do. terrible plan. <laughs> um, so when Morley comes in, Vaudelin is going to be half dressed and prey on the lust that he has, which works. But Lena's supposed to knock him out with a candlestick so that they can both escape. Okay, doesn't work. Spoiler alert. Didn't Shocker. think it would. Shocker. So then Lena just traps Morley and Vaudelin in the storage room. Leaving Vaudelin trapped with someone who she believes could have potentially hurt her sister, but okay, go off, queen. And she decides that instead of escaping to freedom and safety, as they had originally decided, nah, she's got to see this through. Which, yes, you do have to see this through. Props. So she breaks into his study at the Seance Society headquarters. Mm -hmm. And what she finds... is the beginning of the unraveling. So she finds Evie's notebook, which contained detailed notes about the ruses and procedures carried out by the men of the London Seance Society, indicating exactly how and when she'd identified each technique. She also finds a letter from Vaudelin to Evie about an expose that Evie was planning to anonymously send to the newspaper, exposing the whole society and the fraudsters. Mm -hmm. And the letter from Vaudelin is basically encouraging her to do so and leading her to Morley's cellar on All Hallows' Eve. Yes. Which we'll get back to. 
because that's when shit really happened was on all hollows eve yeah. that's when both flockman and evie were murdered yes i think not <laughs> so lena also finds morley's kill book yes you heard that right a kill book so not that was book. the first like shock was that basically the society was planning out these murders Literally. In order to prey on these these wealthy men's widows for, obviously, to fund the society, but then Mm -hmm. also letting the creepy members take advantage of these women who are, you know, Mm -hmm. feeling guilty. And during during the seances, they pretend that the, the deceased husband wants them to move on and that the man that they should move on with, which, by the way, if... If this ever happened in real life and a woman believed this, I like, don't be so gullible. <laughs> but, well, it's also like in this society in the 1800s, like it wasn't okay to be a widow and yeah, to be single. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they were encouraged to remarry. But it's also so we knew that they were planning out the seances that they were conducting based on the widows who had a lot of wealth. But this kill book shows that not only were they picking those people for the seances, they were rewinding it back and picking those men to kill yeah. to bring upon the seance so that they could, like you said, tell the widow that it's okay to move on, marry them off to one of the society men mm-hmm. in order to gain the widow's wealth. I'm and sorry, what? And it's basically like the society member that killed their husband. They're now marrying them and they have no idea. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because it's blackmail, because then this helps them have blackmail that because they they have it in the book that they, the way that it was described, it seemed that they, the member would then kill the, whatever the husband was, and then they would attend the seance society, and they were the ones, because there was that one guy, when they went to the last, the last seance that Volkman attended, that was, and then she kind of like noticed when they went upstairs, and they realized that he was basically like forcing himself on her mm-hmm. when when lena reads in the book about what happened with eloise's dad and how she thought it was suspicious that the wife immediately remarried the other guy i think his mm-hmm. name was like coleman or something i can't remember what his name yeah was. it's not important regardless but his name was like the way that they had it and how like it had how like the murder was going yes, to happen but that name was the person who tricked them at the seance because the same person was killing all the men. Okay, maybe we we read it differently. Because I thought it seemed like like the that the peop- the men that were going that were were names written under the men that were being killed. They had they were the ones that were being forced to to do like to go through with the murders. We'll we'll get to it when we talk about the next twist. So anyway, so not only that, but Lena sees her and Vaudelin's names in the kill book with today's date and the location of the seance. Creepy. Heather, how are you feeling if you're finding your name in a kill book? Not great. <laughs> Lena's like, okay. Then scuffles ensue when Morley gets out of the room eventually and takes the women hostage with a gun to the seance. Baffling that everyone just goes along as normal. We've got yeah. a seance to get to people. Let's go. Yeah. That should have been like another like red flag that he just didn't like murder Vaudelin and was just... Yeah, when they're in the He's room like, together. Let's go. We we yeah. gotta get to the seance. Yeah, and then Lena doesn't catch on until halfway through the seance. But anyway, so 
She's internally struggling, not only because she knows they're in danger, because she's seen their names in the kill book, but because she thinks that Vaudelin is somehow responsible for Evie's yeah. death because of this letter she found. And if not responsible, at least guilty of withholding vital information from her that mm-hmm. she had communications with Evie before her death or that Evie knew about the society, etc., etc. So we get to the seance and... The big plan is that Morley has a fuse set to cause an explosion to kill them all to hide the evidence that Vaudelin and Lena were onto the society. And he's just going to pop out for some air right before the timed fuse sets off. But the spirits have other plans because they want us to know the truth. Yes. Here's how it's described in the book. Mr. Vlockman had entranced Vaudelin. Evie had entranced Lena. There were four of them now, in the bodies of two, and Mr. Vlockman and Evie seem to have a recent history. And Lena is like, damn, was Evie also fucking Mr. Vlockman? Did I I not know my sister at all? But that's not it. (laughs) So the truth starts to come out. Morley realized that Evie had been playing him the whole time and was utilizing his lustfulness to her advantage and all that information that she was gathering wasn't so that she could be a fraudster herself. It was for the expose. Yeah. So he forged the letter from Vaudelin to get Evie to the cellar and he intended to kill Evie. So that letter that Lena found thinking that Vaudelin has been in on it the whole time was actually a ploy from Mr. Morley. And Vaudelin's like, girl, I don't even know what letter you're talking about, but they couldn't really chat about it. Cause there's no, there spirits. was no time for, for there was no time for, yeah, no time for dilly dallying. We got spirits to talk to. So Flockman showed up in the cellar before Morley did. And Evie shows up to the cellar thinking she's got it all figured out from her POV. She says, Mr. Morley was not only a fraudster and manipulator, he was not only a wielder of illusion, a master of pretense, he was doing much more than conducting fraudulent seances across the city while letting his men take the women to bed. He had a second scheme, this one much worse. He'd murder rich men, marry off their widows to one of his society members, oathmen he called them, and siphon a nice annual fee off of the arrangement. But, 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 flashback to a nice combo between Vlockman and Morley before Vlockman's death. And this is what I was talking about before. He explains to Morley that he doesn't always understand his methods, his hoaxes, his ploys, but all he cares about is reputation, not truth. He says, rumors about what you do is one thing. Rumors about what I do is another thing altogether. I've been impeccably cautious, covering my every track. But Vaudelin makes me nervous. She's wickedly sharp. And that's where we kind of find out that that's why Morley lured Vaudelin here, because she was a threat to the society yeah. and a threat to this ploy. Flash again. We're back to the seance, and we're getting the real confrontation between Evie and Vlockman. He asked her, why are you after us? From Evie's POV. I paused, considering how best to answer his question. This was not about the art of spiritualism as a whole and the damage these men had caused in London parlor rooms. It was not about their exorbitant fees and what was given in return, salacious propositions sprinkled with a few ill-timed wall wrappings. This was about Eloise. Eloise Heslop, I said. He killed her and her father, didn't he? At this, he laughed. Mr. Morley's a coward. He hasn't killed anyone. He prospects quite well, though. So all along... Morley was simply the organizer, the researcher. Vlockman was the killer because he says in his mind, no one would ever suspect a family man. 
Yeah, and that was like the biggest shock of the book for me is I didn't see Volkman as being the mastermind behind everything. Yeah, so that's how I read it was that he was killing all of the men and the people written in the book were the ones who were, because the one, the seance that Blockman was at that day of his death, that guy who was trying to coerce, I think her name was Gray, Mrs. Gray. Yeah. Um, he was the one who did like the metal detector thing and all mm-hmm. the tricks and the writing saying that the, that he would want to, he would want her to move on. So I think they were the ones who were in charge of leading the seance and the actual fraud that would lead to the next step, which was the marrying off. Yeah. Okay. So obviously now that Evie knows the truth, Blockman can't let her live. So he attacks her and they simultaneously kill each other, which is some true slasher movie shit. I know. By the way. I was like, oh, just once like that is all revealed and everything, I just was like, oh my God. Because then the whole time, the way that this, it's so well written the whole time, you think that Morley is like, I was definitely thought that Morley killed Volkman and had killed Evie. Mm-hmm. And, then you, mm-hmm. and then it turns out they killed each other. <laughs> And that Morley just, just wasn't even involved other. in, like, the murders in general. It was just like, yeah. I was like, oh my god, the twist And he the says, like, he never had the guts to kill anyone, but he was going to kill Evie. Because mm-hmm. he felt, obviously, personally attacked by her because she had tricked him and hoodwinked him mm-hmm. and made him look like a fool. Which, like, maybe you should have been thinking with your head and not your dick, and you wouldn't have fallen for her ruse, but whatever. Worked out for Evie, kind of, because the positive part is that Evie is actually excited to die. I know. (laughs) There's, okay, here's a a quote from her. This is all when she's still possessing Lena, by the way. The secrets of the afterlife were what I'd always lusted after. So eager was I to see the truths hidden across this veil between life and death, I might have held my next breath in anticipation. Yeah, I like that that was her whole thing was that she was mm-hmm. it wasn't even that she was obsessed with life or death she was obsessed with like the in-between mm-hmm. and she wasn't scared of it she was no. curious about it no because you don't get the vibe at all that she's even upset that she's dead yeah there's no like oh there's so much i wanted to do she's just like i'm vibing mm-hmm. she's like, all right cool <laughs> if this is the way it's gonna end with me being stabbed in the neck in a cellar whatever yeah no because then even like when i like i like that whole scene too when like mr morley comes down the stairs and evie's like i she like smiles at him and she was like Mm -hmm. i'm not letting him think that he got me like this is what i Mm -hmm. want no he's this is almost giving me what i wanted yeah and not giving morley what he wanted because he wanted to kill evie and he couldn't do that Mm -hmm. so he arrives at the cellar intending to kill her and he just finds two dying bodies imagine no he's just like la 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 walking down the stairs and he's like what the fuck and there's just like blood everywhere and he's just His like no boss... Volkman's not supposed to be here and it's like a yeah, whole yeah. thing so obviously he has to get evie out of there because her being blockman's killer would open up a whole can of worms yeah. she was supposed to have nothing to do with the society and what reason would she have to kill him so he transports her body to the hotel where her parents and lena lived and that's where lena found her sister on All Hallows Eve. So here is where just the true masterpiece comes. Now that Vaudelin and Lena have the truth, they let Evie possess Morley for a little while so that he can't escape the explosion because Fuse is still going, people. Yeah. Then Lena, 
the absolute vengeful queen that we need, conjures Morley and Blockman and traps them at the site of the burned cellar for eternity so they can't move on to the afterlife. <laughs> A true icon. Morley's thoughts as he's suspended in the in-between. May mercy be upon the man who finds himself the enemy of a vengeful medium. I know. I'm going to be honest True. with you for a second. When I like envision them being like stuck in there, for whatever reason, the thing that I pictured was like, maybe it's because the name is so similar, but it was like Jacob Mar- whatever Marley from uh, from A Christmas Carol being like mm-hmm. in chains and his ghost like being trapped and i just envisioned like yeah. these two old dudes just being trapped in spirit the spirit world and like just not being able to go anywhere <laughs> yeah and they're not even allowed to talk to the other spirits yeah <laughs> like they're just separated from them because they're trapped in this weird in between where they were conjured yeah and they I can't think- move on I think one of my favorite things about this book was the fact that the skeptic was the most powerful person, that she actually had Mm -hmm. it within her all along, and that she was strong enough to even do this. Yeah. Yeah. So those natural abilities of being a medium were true. Yeah. And she really did possess those gifts, because even when Bodolin was doing the seance, she was so tired that she needed Lena's help. Lena conjures both of these motherfuckers by herself. I, I know. And traps them there. And she's like, it was hard, but I just pushed right on through. And even during the seance, when she was only supposed to be conjuring Bulkman, she conjured, she, and to herself, she's con- conjuring mm-hmm. Evie back into her body. And it's, it was a really cool aspect to the book. And just showing mm-hmm. that this girl who didn't believe in any of this and thought it was all, you know, smoke and mirrors. And it turns out because you could, throughout the book, there was kind of Easter eggs that there was something special about Lena, like when she would see colors randomly and mm-hmm. it was just kind of she would feel faint or whatever. So you knew that there was something going on with her. You just didn't quite know exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And then you when you get to this point in the book, I liked it. It was good. Yeah. I also like that. I mean, we read a lot of thrillers. And there's always twists and turns. And it's usually like a you're there with someone who you think is your ally and you turn around and all of a sudden they have a gun pointed at you. I like that we're just twisting and turning during a seance. Yeah. I like that the spirits are the ones revealing the secrets here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something you don't see every day. Mm-hmm. So then we get a nice epilogue of Lena and Vaudelin living together, exploring their relationship and their sexuality. They still write the expose that Evie wanted to write, and they are thriving as successful mediums. Is this a fairy tale with a happy ending or what? I fucking love the idea of people getting the afterlife they deserve. I know. And it's also nice seeing like a book of women taking over men. Oh, yes. You know, that's my favorite subgenre. I know. Um, also, <laughs> in this book, we get a little treat at the end. There's a few recipes, some history of Victorian morning customs, and an author's note, which I know you wanted to talk a little bit about. Yeah, I wanted to read it because it, like I was saying, I don't typically ever read author's notes, which I probably sh- and I probably will from here on out because reading yeah. this was actually really cool. Not like acknowledgments, because that's, that's different. Acknowledgments are you know, when you read the author's note, like why they wrote this book and everything, I I feel like I should read it more. But what was really cool was Sarah really goes into the Victorian era. And it was just really interesting reading. So I 
it was an interesting like history lesson to get. So I'm just going to read it because it's good. In the late Victorian era, the spiritualist movement, central to which was communication with the dead, especially through mediums, was in its heyday. Victorians were fascinated by anything supernatural, otherworldly, or occult. Parlor room seances were a frequent occurrence, as were public theatrical displays of mediumship and, and psychic power. By and large, the most well-known mediums of this time were women. Spiritualism was one of the only professions in which women were more highly respected than men, which gross. This had to do with yeah. the belief that a woman's past passivity, femininity, and intuition allowed her to access otherworldly realms more easily than a man, and because a man was considered less likely to submit to a spirit taking control of his psyche. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Oh, it, it continues. The Victorian okay. era was a time of great prudence and sexual restraint, particularly for women. Yet mediumship events often unfolded in subtly erotic, suggestive ways. A seance was an opportunity for a woman to exert dominance in a way she otherwise could not. I sought to explore this dynamic when considered alongside the abundance of exclusive gentlemen's clubs in London in the 19th century, particularly in the affluent West End. Clubs existed for men interested in politics, travel, literature, and of course, ghosts. The Seance Society was my novel based loosely on the Ghost Club, which was founded in London in 1862 and counted Charles Dickens and Arthur Conan Doyle among its members. The club still exists today and, and continues to investigate hauntings and other spiritual phenomena. In Victorian clubland, dues were expensive, bylaws were strict, and membership waiting lists were long. A wait of 15 to 20 years to join an especially prestigious club was not unusual. Given that these clubs often favored anonymity and discretion, oaths of secrecy among members were common. Women were not eligible for membership, and in many instances were prohibited entirely from club premises. At the time of this writing, one of the most prestigious clubs in the West End, the Garrick Club, founded in 1831, still does not permit women as members. <laughs> oh my goodness. I do love that, that yeah. little background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just wild when you think about just the ebbs and flows of what's popular in society. And, you know, they're focused on all this spiritualism and everyone is obsessed with it. And then years before were burning witches at the stake. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, years later, there's satanic panic and there's blaming all of these things. Like, yeah. it's just, it's crazy the the way that society grips onto something. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, then there's these wait lists and it's this highly coveted thing. And don't even get me started on the gender roles yeah, that it plays I know. But, and it's just and just reading that men were like oh we would never be controlled by a spirit because we're too strong it has to be a woman that has taken over because you know emotions and blah 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 it's like jesus christ yeah. it's like come on <laughs> like and yet a woman shows you her shoulder i know forgetting I know. all about yourself so that's just like that's interesting because i didn't realize especially like in the Victorian era, how common this stuff was. Like, I think that's really cool yeah. that seances were such a big thing and people really did enjoy the concept of ghosts and everything. And just knowing that these clubs, there's a club that still exists that is still so women aren't allowed 
what world do we live in? You know what I mean? There are golf clubs oh, that I know. still don't allow women yeah. in. Like, what What are we doing? What is, what what are is we the doing? big deal? I just, oh, I, I can't. We just want equal pay and equal rights. We don't want to go to your golf club. <laughs> anyway, that is a good segue into one of our discussion questions. So the book opens with Lena's point of view, and we immediately learn she's a skeptic, which we talked about, and she doesn't entirely believe in ghosts. She says, it wasn't that she didn't believe. She simply couldn't be sure. Do you consider yourself a skeptic or a believer in ghosts? If you're a skeptic, would you be willing to try a seance to contact a loved one? Or if you believe in ghosts, have you ever had a personal experience with the paranormal? I'm definitely more like Lena, or I'm a skeptic, and it's like, I don't know if it's real or not, but I wouldn't okay. be... I wouldn't be opposed to like a seance or being proven that it's that it's a real thing. Okay. So you lean toward the not believing it, but you could believe it if yeah. you saw evidence mm-hmm. of it. Yes. Okay. Science girly like Lena. All right. I have had experience with ghosts and what I believe are demons. I don't know if that's the right word for them, <laughs> but like not good spirits, I should say. Yeah. But I also... I believe that if you do believe in those things, you are more susceptible to having experiences. Yeah, I, I agree. So, yeah, so there's a reason that non-believers don't have anything to prove them wrong because it they're mm-hmm. not as susceptible to it. I would not conduct or be part of a seance. I think it's an invitation to bring unsavory spirits into your life. And if it was successful, the whole idea that they talk about in the book about how it's painful for the dead to return I do believe in that. So I think it's almost selfish to want to bring back your loved ones so that you can say goodbye when they're just Mm. trying to move on in their afterlife. Yeah. But we have no proof. We don't know what the afterlife looks like. So you're saying you're trying to find out anytime soon. You've never played with a Ouija board? Oh, Ouija boards? Hell no. Hell no. Mm -mm. (laughs) That is not the kind of juju that I want in my house. Nope. (laughs) I don't believe in opening up the portal. I don't need anything unsavory Hmm. in my house, okay? (laughs) My whole family believes in ghosts, spirits, demons, all of that stuff. So you could catch me in a room with my aunt and she'll be staring at the corner in the ceiling. And I'm like, girl, don't even tell me what you see right now because I don't want to know. I like like that, though. I think that's that's it's it's interesting for people that actually like experience it. I've just never experienced it myself, so I can't say what I believe or what I don't believe. But like my mom yeah, has had the, a very personal thing. Yeah, because my mom's had situations like you, same thing, where she's definitely been in, involved with those kinds of things. And she's always had like a sixth sense. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as the story unfolds, Bodolin acts as mentor and guide to Lena, teaching her the art of mediumship. But at various turns in the story, their roles reverse. And Lena is the one opening Bodolin's eyes to different ways of thinking. What are a few of the ways the women helped each other with self-discovery and growth? Hmm. That's a good question. I think there's definitely the obvious way with Lena's growth throughout the story. She goes from cynical and obviously disbelieving. And by the end, she's not only a believer, but she realizes that she has a gift like Bodolin does. And she's finally coming to terms with who she is and not wanting to hide it. That was what I was just going to say. I like that her strength throughout the book is she's continues to grow in a way where she realizes because she lost Eloise and now she has mm-hmm. Bodlin, she doesn't want to stop living her life. She wants she yeah. wants to live her real life and she has the opportunity now with Bodlin and she's not gonna waste it. And when you think about it, 
I mean, she's so young. She lost her, her sister was murdered. Her best friend slash secret lover was murdered. Like she's surrounded by so much tragedy. Yeah. And then she's just kind of wrestling between like, do I want to hold these feelings in? And Vaudelin just gives her so much space to come out in her own time. Yeah. Um, there's a quote from Lena about wanting to tell Vaudelin about her feelings. She says, nothing was promised, not sisterhood, not friendship, not the next love note, not the next argument. All that was promised was now, this lone, ever fleeting moment. And Lena was tired of missing her chance to do or say the truest thing while she still had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal, like realizing, especially your sister. Yeah. Losing her at such a young age and in such a brutal way. Yeah. And the last conversation they had, they were fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's also a very different Lena than we started with. Because oh, yeah, she's it's. It's like night and day. Absolutely. And Vaudelin's the reason for it. Like, she never makes her feel ashamed for how she feels or acts. She's patient with her, even when Lena is battling her own mistrust, mm-hmm. even when she's trying to wrestle with her own feelings. Vaudelin's just so patient, but also gives her grace. Yeah. In the going back and forth. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like she's very much she's such a mature woman that she's able to let Lena figure out herself without, without taking, without taking it in like a negative way. Mm-hmm. She's very much Absolutely. like, you know, cause Valen knows how she feels for Lena, but she can't force herself onto her and can't force mm-hmm. Lena to understand what it is between them. So she, like you said, she does, she gives grace to Lena to figure out her, her own, her journey on this, on this path that she's on and letting her, mm-hmm do what she whatever she needs to do to to learn herself mm-hmm. and trusting that she'll get there in yes. the end yes all right so who is your favorite character dead or alive and why i think it's lena i really like lena she was like annoying at times but she was <laughs> yeah. so but she like redeemed a lot of her her moments her whole character arc during the seance was my favorite part of the book mm-hmm. and just her accepting evie's spirit and then experiencing everything that Evie felt and knowing what she went through and then figuring out she was so smart enough to know that there was an ulterior plan that Morley, because she kept saying he has the gun. Why isn't he just killing us? Like she yep. knew that there was some, there was some other nefarious actions at play. And she eventually, mm-hmm. she was, she's able to like put it all together. The brains to then put evie into morally to to torture him oh yeah and then all the other spirits spirits coming for him in that in that scenario and then them escaping and then like we said her her putting morally and volkman together in like this eternal hell and it's Mm -hmm. like like what to see how far she's come throughout the book i just it was a really the character growth was chef's kiss yeah i agree there was a lot a lot of growth yeah. I've got to say Vaudelin was my favorite. Edie's a close second, but Vaudelin is just so powerful and sure of herself in so many ways, and yet so gentle and vulnerable in others. Mm-hmm. She expresses to Lena how lonely her job is and how lonely her life is. Yeah. And like we talked about, she really gives Lena the benefit of the doubt and she helps her come to terms with Evie's death, 
even though it's putting them in danger most of the time, it's not necessarily the best situation. She's basically putting her safety aside to help Lena. And she's just so selfless in that way. And the fact that her entire livelihood is helping people find the killers of their loved ones. Like, she's just a badass bitch. No, she is. Um, I also didn't expect this book to be so sexy. Oh, I know. Like, yeah. 1800s sexy, where just a simple touch is enough to get mm-hmm. everyone all hot and bothered. But also, when Lena finally fully lets herself feel with no guilt, no shame, that's a big deal. It is. And that was like a very beautiful moment that was yes. written into the book that didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. But it needed to be there you yeah know what i mean mm-hmm. so i loved that anything else we need to discuss before we get to these ratings <laughs> kind of like backtracked like the the sexiness of the book it was also intriguing that this gentle person that Baudelin is when it comes to her sexuality she likes pain and yeah. that was another cool thing to write in that not you know she's not like a demure woman that just you know has that gives into whatever she actually there's a certain type of sex that she likes mm-hmm. and i feel like mm-hmm. in that time women weren't allowed to have an opinion or or anything like that or preferences mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that and she also which most women especially in this time have had to do is kind of learns to weaponize that sexuality when she mm-hmm. has to yeah and especially like when they're cornering morally and mm-hmm. she says it explains it to lena like you need to let these men think that they're in control but still you have the power over them and exploit that lustfulness like Mm -hmm. she's just so in tune and has ownership over her own sexuality yeah which is awesome Mm -hmm. all right so let's jump to the ratings i was gonna keep it light and fun with the rating scale but fuck it our rating scale is sleazy men getting what they deserve So how many sleazy men getting what they deserve are you giving this book, Heather? It's a high five. High five, Ooh, sleazy high five. Men. Yeah. This, okay. book, this book got a five-star rating from me. It's like the first book because it's the first book I read in actually a few months that really resonated with me. And because we just, we've been doing like the rereads and, and everything. And I think after like reading like something like Divergent and like looking for Alaska, getting lost and because this is like my favorite, this is one of my favorite genres. I love magical mm-hmm. realism. And when like when we read Spells for Forgetting, like that was one of my favorite books that I've read. And mm-hmm. just, it was so well written. The women were written in, in the way that I enjoy, where they're strong, but also they, the tragedy that is there and how, who they become. It's like, you know, it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes. It's just very much, just great. It was just mm-hmm. really good. And I liked that I didn't call some of the things that happened. And mm-hmm. it also gave me, it kind of gave me like Agatha Christie vibes. And I love Agatha Christie. So I think that was another reason to like the way that was written, especially having, because that's kind of like how some of her books are, where like the main character, the guy sometimes is the villain at the end of the book and you don't realize it until the end mm-hmm. of the book. And it, you're just like, whoa, like what I just read. So it's, it was really, it was a really, really good book. And I was like nervous mm-hmm. about it. But I'm really glad that we read it. And I'm really glad that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, I agree. I am giving it four and a half sleazy men getting what they deserve. There's so much to love about it. 
the subtle feminism, mm-hmm. the discovering of Lena's sexuality, the bond between sisters, Lena's journey from science to spirits. Mm-hmm. Yes. The women defending their career, their beliefs, their whole livelihood from those who tried to exploit it. Like you said, the resilience of women. I liked the way the dual timelines were written from the two different POVs. The reason that I took off half of a sleazy man is because that jumping around a little bit did have me confused. Yeah. Um, And also, I thought the reasoning for Vaudelin being lured back to London was a stretch. Yeah. Because Vaudelin had no reason to come back to London whatsoever. Like, they had scared her out of the city. So she wasn't coming back and spreading rumors about the society. She wasn't exposing them. Like, none of that. I think it was more because she was so close to Volkman's wife that I think she kind of felt like she had this, because that was like a small minor part in the book, but I feel like she kind of felt like she had this duty to like come back to find out what happened to him. Yeah. It was like she like owed it to his family. Yeah, I agree with that. I, and I, it's such a little event, mm-hmm. but it's what the whole story is exactly. built on. Yeah. Because otherwise she's never coming back no, to London. She has no reason to. I mean, like they had said. to hide her yeah. when she came back and give her around-the-clock protection and locker and storage But then, closet. like, you find out, like, Volkman was the one that made it seem like that was... Because mm-hmm. he just wanted her out because he didn't want her to expose them down the line. So he's like, exactly. oh, all these people are going to come after you. Like, you have to leave town. So realistically, I mean, she probably still would have been a threat to Volkman, so there's still a chance something nefarious could have happened to her being in London. Mm-hmm. But she didn't necessarily have to leave. He was just didn't want her around. Yeah, exactly. Someone who had a lot of say and a very respect respectable standing in the medium world yeah. mm-hmm. they didn't want her around no. because people would have believed what she was saying yeah but i just thought that that was not explained well enough so that's why i had to take my point five away that's fair but overall i really enjoyed this book i mean i love a little feminist subgenre i love spirits what can i, I say? had everything you love in one book <laughs> It did. I mean, I could have used a little more of the scene where the ghosts are literally just taking out their vengeance on Morley. Because you needed a, damn you just, it, that man deserved a, it. A tad more horror, and then it would have. It would have. It would have. It would have been the icing on the cake. <laughs> a tad more violence, and it would have been yeah. <laughs> five stars for me. You know. You know me. Feminism and violence. Anyway, that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. If you have any book recommendations, questions for us, or any opinions on this book, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. Also be sure to follow us on our socials, TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye.